0: After that presentation of chapter 9, follows now chapter 10, which deals with Vibhuti Yoga or the Yoga of Divine Glories.
1: Krishna says to Arjuna, There are many aspects to divinity and I have described some of these, such as manifest and unmanifest divinity, creation and my cosmic drama. I have also explained how I occasionally incarnate to play a role in my own drama. Many of these subtleties are not known even to the demigods. People have all kinds of confused and mixed-up notions about God and divinity. This is inevitable when one is immersed entirely in worldly affairs. Preoccupation with this transient world inevitably produces delusion. Tell me, how can a deluded person have a vision of the Divine. Nevertheless, there are some souls who on account of their intense faith in me, see me as the Supreme God and beyond space and time, beyond creation, eternal in the full sense of the word and the fountainhead of everything that was, is and will be. At the same time, deluded people look around and ask, Where is this God you are talking about? I can't see Him anywhere. The arrogant ones go even further and sarcastically remark How can you see God when He does not exist? Arjuna, never allow yourself to be misled by such foolish talk. If you want to, you can see God everywhere. Just look at yourself. You are God. Don't focus on your transient body but on your heart. God is present in your heart all the time and you can have his vision there any time you want. When a man is good, the divinity in him automatically shines via various virtues. All these virtues, like Shama or forbearance for example, are manifestations of God. Indeed. There are innumerable manifestations of God in this universe. The beauty of a peacock is God. The glory of a sunset is God. The majesty of mountains is God. Everything is God. And yet people complain. They cannot see God. How strange. Having said all this, I must point out why people sometimes find it difficult to see God in others, even though they might reluctantly concede that nature's beauty is a manifestation of God. Let us say that there is a house in which shines a bright lamp. Suppose all the doors, windows and the ventilators of this house are completely shut. A person walking past the house outside will not see any light coming from within. He is therefore likely to assume that there is no lamp within, even though there is in fact a bright lamp there. Something similar happens in the world. God is the divine lamp shining from man's heart. He shines so in all beings, including the so-called evil ones. In the case of good people, the effulgence is evident via their loving actions, sweet words, etc. It is like a house with its doors and windows open. In this case, the light within is visible outside. Contrarily, an evil person is like a house I described earlier, where all the windows etc. are completely shut. What are the signatures of divinity in humans? In other words, how does one recognize the divine effulgence within a person? Simple. Look for spiritual wisdom, discrimination, equanimity, compassion, selfless love, forbearance, the spirit of sacrifice, calmness, contentment, etc. If you see all these, you can be certain you have seen God. A person who is wedded to truth and righteous action is verily an embodiment of God. God must be seen, not as a magician, as many tend to, but as love, purity, absolute goodness, nobility, and virtue. With this approach, you can see God all over the place. Remember, God is not merely beauty, grandeur, and majesty. He is much more. He is love, He is truth, and He is compassion. Those are the real signatures of God. People whose discrimination is not blunted by the attractions of this ephemeral world have no difficulty at all in seeing me everywhere. Believe me, wherever they turn, they see only me and nothing else. Do you know why they have no problem in seeing me whereas all the others do? That is because They do not try to see me with their physical eyes. Arjuna, if you try to see me with your heart, how can I possibly hide from you?
0: Breaking his long silence, Arjuna says, Krishna, at last I am beginning to get a faint glimpse of who exactly you are. I am now filled with a deep desire to know more about you. Who can tell me all that? except yourself? Please, O Lord, will you most kindly confer on me the grace of hearing directly from you about your glory and grandeur?" Smiling
1: broadly, Krishna replies, Of course, Arjuna, I most certainly shall. But you must remember that my glories are literally infinite and we have very little time right now since the war is about to start so i can give you only the barest glimpse at present however since you are very intelligent even that tiny sample ought to be sufficient later using your imagination you can on your own contemplate on my limitless and incomparable glory and grandeur since i pervade everything my glory also Is spread everywhere. Anything beautiful, grand, wondrous, magnificent and marvelous that you see in creation is just me greeting you via that channel. It can be anything, a starry sky, a majestic mountain, a roaring waterfall, a mighty river or even a gentle stream, a fabulous beach, the atolls, The coral reefs, the soaring birds, the coloured fishes, the royal tiger, it can be any such thing. All these are nothing but me in various disguises. I appear in diverse forms to make people happy in many different ways. Let me amplify with a specific example. Because of Earth's rotation, you have the phenomenon of day and night. The day begins with a sunrise, and the nightfall commences with a sunset. Are the sunrise and sunset just bland events? No, I make them specially glorious. Why? So as to make man happy. I let man have my darshan why beauty in creation. But the fool that he is, man merely enjoys the superficial beauty of without marvelling about the source of that beauty. Some have my darshan via the beauty of nature. Some experience me through soulful music. Some create works of art, thereby giving expression to the divinity latent in them. Of course, not everyone realises the divine to be the source of creativity, but those who do are raised to special heights of ecstasy. And then there are people who worship me by seeing love and compassion radiating from others. Arjuna, I am ever ready to oblige and give ananda or bliss to all those who seek it. In whatever way people seek me, in that very same way do I respond. By the way, are you aware of the divine wonders within your own body Just look at your fingers. Do you have any idea of their extraordinary capability? Thanks to this, man can paint, sculpt, write, stitch, and do so many wonderful things that no other species on earth can. But for this remarkable capacity of the fingers, do you think you could have become the super archer that you are?
0: Stunned by these revelations, Arjuna humbly says, Lord, you have not included the playing of musical instruments in your list. Perhaps you play the flute not only to remind us of the dexterity of human fingers, but also to convey that music itself is divine in origin.
1: Krishna smiles and replies, Correct, you sure are getting smart. In a nutshell, Arjuna... I am the quintessence of all the creative power and the excellence that you see in the world. Of course, some distort the gifts given to them, but as I explained earlier, I am not responsible for that. I am the origin and the source of everything in the universe, be it small like the atom or large like the galaxy. There is no being or entity moving or stationary, that can exist without me. There is no end to my divine power and glory, and what you have heard about is not even the equivalent of a tiny speck. Arjuna, there is really no need for me to catalogue my powers, nor for you to learn all about them. Far more important it is for you to repose total faith in me and obey my command Implicitly.